0: Hello, Kiota and welcome to the Creative Matters podcast, where we have inspiring conversations with artists from Aotearoa New Zealand. I'm your host, Mandy Jakic. This week, I'm speaking with Tafai Rickard. Tafai is a contemporary New Zealand Māori artist born in Gisborne, to Ranganui Akewa, of Ngāti Porou descent. He is influenced by the epic history of his country, Aotearoa, New Zealand, and its historical interrelationship between Māori and Pākehā to the present day. His work reflects the social, historical, and cultural landscapes of Aotearoa, kōrero, commentary, history and stories about our journey as New Zealand. In this episode we have a beautiful talk about Tafai's journey from growing up in Tairawhiti, Gisborne, really seeing artwork representing his Māori culture, to becoming an artist himself. He reflects back on his first experiences drawing and how some of those ideas have actually been carried through to his art practice today. He talks about how he creates work to honour his Māori culture, to lift it up and to make as much noise visually as he can, encouraging people to stop and take notice. We discuss his interest in pop art, music, TV and movies, British and New Zealand pop culture, figurative paintings from his ancestral wharanui or house and our bicultural foundations and how all these things create fuel for his art practice. I do apologise for the sound quality of my voice in this Zoom recording. Luckily, the person we really want to hear from sounds amazing. Calling Tafai Ricard in Tauranga, Bay of Plenty.
1: Kia ora, tāwhae. Uh Kia ora, Mandy. Uh, I'd like to say a little pepeha, my um, my uh, you know self-introduction, please. Uh, ko Hikurangi te Maunga, ko Wea Pū ko Nukutai Memeha te Waka, ko Ngāti Ue Pōhatu me Ngāti o ōku Iwi, uh, ko rikada ho Hau, uh, te kai kōrero rangatira, Mandy, tēnā koe.
0: No, great. Thank you. and It's so lovely to have you here on the podcast. Thank you very, very much for being here with us. Thank you. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. So I know you were born in Gisborne in New Zealand. Um, can you please tell us about your ancestry a little bit and um, something about your childhood? And then uh, it'd be great to hear about how you discovered your creativity.
1: Well, my ancestry, well, first of all, I belong to the East Coast tribe of uh, Ngāti Wea Pohatu. On my mother's side, on my father's side, it's uh, Ngāti Uh I have Spanish ancestry through a whaler who came to New Zealand uh, in the 18th century. His name was Manuel Jose or Jose Manuel and he married into the local people there. Uh, My great-grandfather came from, on my father's side, came from Dublin Island, and that's the Ricard. And he married into the local people as well. So that's a bit of my ancestry. I was uh, born in Gisborne, raised in Gisborne and the East Coast area amongst my people. Um, I knew my great-grandparents, or, or a couple of them anyway. I knew both sets of my grandparents. Um, brought up on the marae, uh, different marae around the East Coast, um, and just uh, absorbing the the culture of um, uh, my Maori ancestry uh, throughout my childhood, uh, growing up in Gisborne, everything was uh, Captain Cook. You know, you had Cook Hospital, you had Cook Street, you had uh, you had a statue there um, on Kaiti Hill. You had uh, replicas of the Endeavour up and down Gladstone Road every 50 metres or so. Uh, so everything was Captain Cook. It was... Um, part of the cultural landscape, I suppose, but nothing really outstanding or honouring our Māori ancestry and uh, those origins on, uh, on the East Coast. So over time, that's changed a little bit. Uh, you have uh, artwork of, um, of uh, different Māori ancestors and uh, depicting different stories uh, of the area these days, only up until recently. Um, before then, stretching right back to, to Cook's arrival, we had nothing. So growing up as a child on the East Coast, um, you experienced your culture, but it wasn't really told in the mainstream of uh, New Zealand
0: Mm, It wasn't really communicated or celebrated through the art world, was it, at that that time?
1: Certainly not, no.
0: Sadly. Mm. And were you, as a child, somebody who liked to make and create?
1: I remember crawling into uh, a closet space only about a foot high when I was about four years old. With a pencil and paper, and I knew what I, what I knew I was doing in a way, <laughs> even that at that age. And I drew a picture of Robinson Crusoe with a, on a little island with a coconut tree. And at the time, I thought it was the best thing ever. But the funny thing is, now I look at my figurines of my artwork, my paintings, they're very similar to what I remember of that figure of Robinson Crusoe. And, and and I haven't. It's it's almost like I've stayed quite close to that, really, uh, that tender child, that first experience what it is to draw a picture. Um, and I've carried that. Um, well, as you as you grow up and you you try and draw things realistically and 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 try and you know draw the best truck or the best um, and, you know maybe a horse or something like that. And it's almost like it's it's come full circle, again back to how I used to uh, draw um, the aesthetic. Although my my work is quite uh, um, uh, dialogue rich and um, full of narrative. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, it's quite amazing,
0: isn't it? So many people I speak to on the podcast they can see the connections with their work now. With yeah
1: that's happened as a child or something they've made as a child, which, you know, it just must be so ingrained in us somewhere. Yeah, I think it uh, it is. And um like uh, Picasso once said, um, you got to trust your hand rather than overthink things. You trust your hand, your hand will do the work. Mm. It takes me back to that fig- figure I drew of um, Robinson Crusoe way back in the day. It's quite a nice little story. Yeah,
0: it's a nice little sort full of circle, isn't it, really?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, at high school, Tarpa, did you discover the art room and, and get into art and sort of realise your talent or did that come a bit later?
1: Um, no, I carried on thinking like an artist throughout my childhood and when I got to high school, Uh, I had, as you can imagine, a different amount of uh, number of diverse art teachers, all wonderful people in their own way. You know, and it was only until uh, my last year in high school at Ngata College uh, in 85 that I um, uh, sort of uh, learned... Uh, about my maoritanga a little bit more and pressed into that side of myself and um, it kind of set off a um, it set off uh, an explosion within my mind and soul to to follow uh, my uh, maoritanga uh, culture and um, actually uh, pursue that uh, following uh, my school years, uh, my art teacher at uh, Ngata College was um, the late Ivan Eho. He was one of those original um, Maori contemporary artists, I suppose, along with Sandy Atset and those sort of people, Cliff Whiting. And he kind of got alongside of me and really sort of like I began, like a teacher's pet sort of thing, you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he really, um, he really took me under his wing and uh, nurtured me, and, um, and funnily enough, I ended up with at uh, Tairawhiti Polytechnic about five years later in Gisborne, and uh, Ivan Eho was running the Māori um, arts course then, oh, so wow. I got back under his wing and I was the teacher's pet again for the second time.
0: <laughs> That's so
1: good. I was never a teacher's pet at school, you know. I was just one of those kids who went, but when it came to this sort of thing, yeah, I was I was his teacher's pet. So Mm -hmm.
0: that is brilliant. And how lovely to be able to continue that journey with
1: him. You know. Yeah, Yeah, it was quite it was kind of short lived though in a way. Mm.
0: So you were actually doing like a degree, was it a degree in visual arts or what was the course that you were doing?
1: Oh, this is back in the day where you get a certificate. I don't think it was a degree. Oh, okay, right. yes. <laughs> yeah, a little certificate. <laughs> uh, uh foundation year and then your advance year. Um so yeah, um that 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 was my journey anyway through the uh start of my journey through education in as in art. As mm. an artist, practicing artist, but I knew I wanted to pursue, set off a flame inside of me to to pursue uh, my uh, Māori tanga, and to create work to to honour um, our Māori culture and to lift it up, and to you know make as much noise as you can visually. Mm. so people would just stop stop and take notice and yeah. um in and and, and and join in on the conversation if you like
0: mm. and was that the beginning is that where you see yourself as as beginning the beginning years of you being an artist from there
1: yeah yeah uh because when I finished school to uh when I when I attended polytech in 1990 I was like a real East Coasty, you know, I'd, I'd 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 on the land and diving and fishing and crayfish and setting nets and I used to do all that with my whanau. I was yeah, it was quite rugged the lifestyle, mm. but I loved it. Uh, but even that sort of gave me some kind of uh, background, if you like, to to propel myself forward
0: yeah totally it's it's an important part of of your yeah. culture and then you know what you end up expressing through your artwork i guess Has yeah it, why did you actually decide to go to polytech at that point were you were you hoping to just learn a few more skills and and become a full-time artist
1: yes well i it was kind of getting to a point where it was becoming kind of pointless um you know just um living on the coast and not knowing really what you're doing other than living off the land and, and whatnot, um, I attended a course under my uncle, uh, my uncle Tafe McClatchy. I, I, I attended a course uh, called Te Aoturo. It's like a life skills course with a whole bunch of other uh, young folks and not so young folks on the living in the East Coast. And... Um, one of those courses uh, consisted of a, um, a bone carving course, a block course. And one of Ivan's uh, understudies, um, my friend now, he's, he's been my friend for a long time, Lionel Martinger. He came through from Gisborne and with all his bone carving gear and set it up. And then we ordered this bone carving course. And that uh, reignited my passion for for the Māori arts again, promoting the the Māori arts course at Tairāwhiti Polytechnic as well at the same time, so I jumped on board the the following year.
0: Were you thinking um, at that early stage that you were going to have to have a job or another career that would go alongside your art practice, or were you sort of intent on becoming a full-time artist? Um,
1: Well, I've never really been a full-time artist. I've, I've always worked as well. Um, I was working on the county council before I went to Gisborne in 1990. We were doing like um, weed eradication around the East Coast and that sort of thing. And I suppose if I hadn't have gone to Polytech the following year, I would have probably gone back to doing those sorts of things and working in the wool sheds and hay hay fields and whatnot. Mm, yeah. yeah. So you
0: discovered your your passion for art and 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 you were really, I guess, at that stage also really wanting to express your cultural identity through your art. I love the way your work now is very, um, it's like a sort of celebration of 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 Maori culture and way of life, but also has that sort of bicultural um, feel where you're really kind of acknowledging also other descendants and, and other people who came to New Zealand how you went from um, from studying into your practice and how you discovered the techniques and style and ideas behind your work.
1: Um, well, I mentioned um, just a little earlier about being the teacher's pet just once. And... Well, Ivan, he sent me away to get um, studied up and whatnot and then to return back to Tairafi Polytechnic to become one of his tutors. Uh, Sadly, Ivan passed away in 1992, and for myself, I never really returned home. So I've been living in uh, the Bay of Plenty um, for the most part all this time. Um. And then you get um, institutions, and you can become very institutionalized, very indoctrinated. Uh, And I was one of those uh, students who were, like, always on the outskirts, kind of like a little rebel group on the side. I was one of those ones, and um, when it's like that – you kind of you're not really the teacher's pet anymore if you know what i mean you're not the tutor's pet anymore and um and so as as the years roll on it becomes hard in a way to uh to create a, create that profile because you don't really have that a lot of that support mm, with and under you and around you
0: yeah, and I guess um, he, he was like a mentor to you,
1: wasn't he? Which which you got? Yeah, my mentor had passed away in mm-hmm. Ivan, uh, and yeah, it, but on the other side, you 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 learn to form your own narrative, if you know your own cordial, and you 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 create, you start creating and forging a mindset of or, or, and a creative approach of your own that's unique. That's the upside. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've, um, I've managed to, 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 to do that. Uh, and it took a, it took quite a while actually. I mean, I, I went through a lot of, uh, experimental sort of phases of my art practice. Um, I was always interested in pop art and so I, I, I did a kind of a, Kiwiana Maori slash Maori pop art style for a while, and um, I've always been interested in um, in, in music, television programs, uh, movies, um, and that sort of thing. Not just the visual side of things, but that actually creates fuel for your visual practice. Um, so um, yeah, and, and particularly with uh, British pop culture and New Zealand pop culture, um, just that goes hand in hand with our bicultural foundations, the bones of our country, which uh, for the most part, generationally, we've sort of forgotten about and tried to keep up with the Joneses or whatever like that. And we've lost track of who we really are mm-hmm. and where we come from, which I think is, is a shame. Never been taught in schools, our know, history, that sort of thing. Um. So, yeah, I, I'm communicating that through my artwork. Uh, it's come back around. I use pop art as well as uh, Baroque elements of uh, the Victorian Tibera coupled with the figurative painting of my ancestral house in uh, Ruatoria, uh, which is Hine Tāpōra. Uh, that's an ancestor, ancestor. She was a chieftainess. She held a lot of mana. So within, within her personification, her whare, the Nui are, are all the figurative paintings that create like a papa genealogical belt around the interior. I use those uh, that figurative style, which is um uh, it, I, I don't like to use the word uh, folk art. It's figurative painting of that era, of the Victorian era, and its origins are found in core Fai, Fai the, the discipline of core Fai, Fai, you see. And then it, it it spawns from that, and then you you get all these this imagery and uh, uh figurative um paintings that um are more sort of humanistic rather than sort of um serpentine the serpentine style of of uh manaya uh so yeah i couple all these uh these uh, elements together and i i draw upon uh, pop art to inform my uh my practice according to our bicultural foundations
0: when did you actually start making the work that you've been doing in the last sort of four or five years? Is that, is that relatively new or is that something that has always been there over the last, you know, twenty years?
1: Yeah. Um, like the hinetapura sort of figurative style I, I, I mentioned, um, I was always doing it uh, over the years uh, to some degree. Uh, and that would come out in the form of, um, you know, like figurative manaia, um, um paintings, um, that sort of thing. And then, of course, there was that Maori pop art stage. But I sort of started to get back into the actual uh, figurative painting uh, style uh, in 2014. Uh, when there, in Tauranga here, we had the uh, 150 year commemoration of the Battle of Gate Pa, and there was an exhibition. I uh, submitted a, uh, an artwork, a war hanging, uh, using the like Victorian look, because according to um, General Duncan Cameron, who was in charge of the forces, British forces at Gate Pa here in Tauranga. When he viewed the 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 pass site, he he said he likened it to a Victorian fence, Picket Fence. And so I I kind of jumped on that idea and I and I created this work called Pekerangi. Because Pekerangi is um is a palisade, like a fence, a light palisade almost like a, a picket fence and and I and I painted all my figurines on these panels and it won the whole whole damn thing and then um a, a lawyer's firm in Tauranga here uh purchased that at the uh celebrational dinner mm-hmm. um they, they got me to go up there and talk about it and someone held it next to me and I was yakking about it and blah, 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 and then they purchased it right there and then. I so think my like story convinced them. <laughs>
0: that's brilliant. And, and I imagine for that kind of work, it's just so nice for people to hear from the artist, you know, the ideas behind
1: yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's always good.
0: Yeah, I love that piece. And uh, so from there, so you sort of gained some momentum, do you think, over those, those 10 years? Was that when you well, really started coming together?
1: Yeah. Um, when you get a little bit of success, it's kind of like throws throws things into a gear. I uh, I kept sort of doing similar type of work and selling everything that I was doing here and there and everywhere, and then um, I just rolled on. I met uh, Matthew Clark, who's my agent at Paul Nash Gallery, and uh, he and I hit it off. And he could see something in my work that others couldn't really necessarily see straight away. So he was sitting there on the floor in his gallery, and I was sitting on a chair. He was on the floor next to the work. It was laid out on the floor. And he was um, just um, he was really excited and, and talking about it and saying stuff that only I would know.
0: Really?
1: <laughs> yeah. But he, he knew it too. So I, I thought, yeah. oh. This joker knows what is what I'm doing here, in a sense, not not completely. Uh, don't give him too much credit. He, <laughs> he, he uh, but he could see enough, and he said, "Yep, let's go, let's do this." And then uh, we started uh, having success um, with my art style and having exhibitions and stuff like that. And oh. but these are we got a long ways to go.
0: Yeah,
1: and what year yeah. was that? Oh goodness. This is since uh 2015, I think it was.
0: Mm. Isn't um, great to, to make that connection with such a great gallery and Paul Nash Gallery, they just seem so good at sort of jumping on board with an artist and wholly supporting them.
1: Yeah. Well, we got a bit of history. His father worked at the freezing works and so did mine. Uh back in the day, he's a Gisborne boy and so am I, as well as an East Coast boy. Um but yeah, no, we 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 we're great mates. We've um, only s- not seen eye to eye once, but uh, that was just a little minor thing. But mm. uh, yeah, no, we're we're like uh, brothers in arms. Oh,
0: That's great. I mean, that's that's just the best the best situation, isn't it, for an artist to have to be yeah. represented by a gallery who
1: you have yeah. such a great, you know. Yeah. One thing I like about Matthew is that he doesn't just think about money. He's not just about business. He he thinks about the um, the total picture. You know, far well being, uh, mind body, soul, uh, spirit, uh, in his own way. I mean, we have we have differing views on spiritual things, and but we we yeah, he's quite good like that. Not Mm -hmm. just about sales and money and that. Yeah. Amazing.
0: And how and that, that sort of connection, that first connection that artists have with the gallery, and they haven't been represented before, can be, you know, it can be hard to to make that sort of initial connection with the gallery. Do you have any advice for people or can you tell us how it happened for you?
1: Uh well it was my wife basically who introduced me to Matthew. She knew about the um a about Matthew, I think through the pencil gallery that was in Gisborne prior. Uh, I guess it came at a um, at the per- perfect time because you know I I had been sort of like um, I had been having levels of success, but I actually needed that that next step, if you know what I mean. I needed that I needed that boost and. Um, otherwise I probably would have, um, kept doing what I was doing, but not really having the backing and therefore the exposure and, the you know, the clientele base and all the, the good, the positive, uh, relational benefits, uh, that you get from that. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I wasn't actually really looking for it, but it kind of happens. So it doesn't matter.
0: And it's probably a great thing. I mean, nine years on, you're still with
1: that gallery, which is amazing. My wife keeps telling me to have a look at uh, other galleries and all that. And I always say, oh, I'm not quite (laughs) ready. You know, I I want to keep um, pursuing with uh, Matthew because you never know what you're going to get with something new and another gallery and all that. So I really don't want to really jump as such. I mean, you know. Is is there really a need to, um, is it the right thing to do, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. It's always a hard question, isn't it, for artists, but because you're so well supported by him and he's got great, well, the Paul Nash Gallery has great connections with yeah. um, Robin and, you know, other yeah. Yeah. other opportunities, which would be great, yeah. isn't it? Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of, of your works and then through that maybe we can talk about your process. So you're really combining a kairou carving with painting, and uh, I love the way that you bring in some of the sort of Victorian furniture and that kind of thing and, and, and work with that. Um, so some of your work feels quite conceptual in a way. Can you talk to us about perhaps Cook Discovers Aotearoa 1769, which was an artwork that was in an exhibition called Here, Coupé to Cook, and that was at the Australian National Maritime Museum in 2019. So would you mind just start talking a little bit about that? How you created it, how you came up with the idea and uh, the ideas behind the work? Yeah, I think uh,
1: trying to unwrap that, that, that whole history of, um, you know, Cook discovering Aotearoa, uh, our, our, um, our historical origins, bicultural origins, trying to unwrap all that and um, uh, put it back together um, and um, kind of do it in my, my own way, sort of dress it up, dress up the history, um, adding different uh, narratives and uh presenting it as as something that's symbolic but also has these um all these uh elements to it these uh, layers of, of of uh information uh people um you know and the history and uh presenting that as a, as a entire uh conversation piece. If you like so. Um, so yeah, it's it's just really um, unwrapping the history and then putting it um, putting it back again in in your own in your own way. So. Mm.
0: Um, and that that work was natural. Then. Was was it the
1: replica of, of the boat? The,
0: was it the Endeavour?
1: I think it was the Resolution, the second voyage. Uh, it was that one Cook's time machine? Was um, uh, um, the Endeavour, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And then you, and how did you actually construct that boat with all the sails? And and then you added the paintings to, um,
1: to yeah. that. So, well, I um, I repurpose a lot of sort of um, baroque, Victorian baroque style furniture. I repurpose it. I actually. Um, piece it back together again. Um, sometimes that takes, uh, you know, sort of recutting and reshaping. And um, and I never use glue or nails. I, I always use screws in, in, in my work. And I put it back, put it all together as best I can. Um, you know, knowing in yourself, you've done it to a degree where it's not going to fall apart and that um, your, your gallery um, folks can uh, assemble it and, and disassemble. And also it can exist in a person's house, the, those who have uh, purchased it, uh without um without the worry of it falling apart. I mean, yeah, so it's it's a bit of a, um it's a bit of a dance in a way of putting things together, you know.
0: Mm, that's so incredible the way you've done that. And I love the way it sits on the um, you know, the original legs of probably a Victorian table, I guess. And that's yeah. that's like the plinth. Or yeah. the standing that's a, support. Yeah. Ex- which very yeah. effective. <laughs> and so you're you're bringing all of these elements together, which is representing our biculturalism of our. How do you choose what you paint on these objects?
1: well that's it it's it's taking um it's taking characters and scenes and again, I'll refer back to the pop culture using pop culture more modern not so or the historical yes, but not as back in the back in the day of Captain Cook or anything. But it's sort of like collapsing time using um pop icons uh, as well, pop figures, uh to uh to, to tell the story, if you like. So yeah, it's collapsing time to 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 bring a sort of like a historical um relevancy. Like mm-hmm create like a like a wheel if you like that just all rolls together in one time rather than just looking back at the story and it's sort of far far from us or it doesn't really relate to us anymore yeah. I'm tr- trying my best to make things relevant to yeah. our to our New Zealand psyche if you like
0: yeah absolutely. And I, I just think it makes it even more relatable in a way, sort of bringing in those those different elements. Yeah. Are you exactly. um, are you sort of touching on some of the sort of controversy around um, decolonization and, and all of those kind of things? Is that coming up through your work?
1: It comes out in my work um, when it when it actually comes out in my work. It's I I find I don't really force anything. But whatever's floating around on the air, I usually manage to grasp. Whether it's political or social, cultural, I'm kind of in tune in a way. I don't know how it works, but I'm kind of in tune with what's going on in my own way. Um, I've I've always looked at my work as social commentary, cultural commentary, uh, historical. Contemporary uh, commentary. So I'm I'm a, I'm like a commentator in a way, but it's almost like accidental. Mm-hmm. Um, never really wanted to 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 be uh, this. Like growing up, never really wanted to be a commentator as such. It, it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just one of those things. I mean, I think it's a it's a fantastic way to reach people and educate people. Yeah, it it it, it is, yeah. I remember when I first started doing my pop culture style um, and it's like you had a lot of stuff. You felt like you had a lot to say to people and it was like you just kind of, in a way, you expected everyone to stop what they were doing and listen to you. Um, but that never happened. But then, as, as the years have gone on, people have really stopped and taken notice and, and really been captivated by, by it and wanting to talk about it. And, you know, uh, so yeah, I find that quite amazing, humbling, and yeah,
0: quite mm. honoring. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what mm. you're creating is so, it's so unique. You can't help but sort of be drawn to it and, and want to know more. The way that you combine the two cultures, and and you're combining different materials from those different cultures and from those eras, you know, it's, it's just really interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, it, I, yeah. I I have I have a lot of fun um, uh, doing those sorts of things.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you do. And the, how do you come up with the ideas? Do you sort of get an idea and, and start sort of Making sketches
1: or something like that. Or do you have a an event in mind that you then create something for? Or how does your process work? Uh, it's always good when you have something to shoot for. Yeah, you yeah, like uh, but I find I have ideas come to me, like I touched on and I uh grab a pencil and a paper and my sometimes it's the back of a blooming envelope or something lying around. <laughs> but I try go to the old um uh my sketch my sketch pad and and just just scratch something down now if you look at my my um my my work my work sketch pad very unremarkable some of the sketches are just so look like potatoes and you know but as long as i know what i'm seeing then i can go along and 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 um and 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 bring that whatever it is to life um yeah sometimes it's um sometimes it's just writing down words mm. I, i'm not really drawing anything i have a i have a um a thought in mind and i write it down and i write down different things that i could see in the artwork and i refer to that because the aesthetic um creativity is always there you've just got to have something to to actually refer to and to, to jog that, that 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 creative spark. Mm. Yeah. Because
0: you, use, um, you
1: are repurposing objects,
0: where do you actually find them? And, and do you sort of have something that you want to find, like a clock, for example, and you've got that in your head and then you go out to find the clock, or are you more like looking through things and discovering stuff that helps you decide yeah. what you actually making?
1: You go online. Um, I use this this thing we're speaking on the phone there, and just have a look at um, different. You look up antique furniture or retro or something like that. You punch it and you scroll through, and you're scrolling through and going like that. And as soon as you see something that 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 aligns with what you're thinking, you know the light bulb goes off, and then you, you then you just you, you you make contact and and. Um that's how you you go to uh secondhand shops, your hook or shops, look around, something catches your eye, you, you yeah, you 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 grab it and then um um yeah, rest is history really. Yeah, but, how fun. What a fun thing to do. I just I love that idea. And the idea yeah, I get sometimes really
0: motivated by something that you see, which could take you by surprise and kind sort of takes you down another
1: Another part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some. Well, I bought a. I bought a couple of chairs recently. They're like thrones. Okay. <laughs> They're so elaborate and all that. And the person I bought it off was so attached to them, like it an emotional attachment. And the the person asked me, "Oh, what do you intend to do with these?" I was I wasn't going to tell them I want to chop it up and. <laughs> you know, make it hard, she would have fallen over. but um so I just said, Oh, I'm gonna breathe new life into it. That's all I said. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not it's a white lie, but um yeah. Um otherwise she would have been uh, horrified if I'd have said, you know, she had them for fifty years or something like that. And how amazing uh, I mean, uh, so I just kinda said to her, Oh, yeah, breathe new life into it, you know, make something <laughs> Fresh and <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: well, you like, know, she might be pretty stoked with um, you know, what you what you created from it. And
1: oh, she, she could be, but she was really attached to these things and kind of just wanted them to be re-fabric, put the fabric over a new fabric and what have you. And uh, gee, this is going out. I hope she doesn't see this. <laughs>
0: oh, that's really
1: funny. That's a good story. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: so, yeah, it's just it's such an interesting work. And then um, you had this incredible, um, incredible win um, in 2023 with your beautiful work, uh, The Victoria, Things from a Victorian Restaurant, and that was an amazing um, prize package of $20,000. Can you tell us about how you came about um, entering that competition and, uh, and then tell us about the work?
1: Uh, well, I knew of the I knew of the art exhibition competition uh, from previous previous years. Um, so I just decided to enter, um, and I was inspired by uh, that song "Scenes from an Italian Restaurant" by Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. Now I know it's is not British, but as I said, that pop art kind of um influence actually goes out a bit further and um I thought what a nice sort of a um you know spin on that 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 iconic song or you know at an Italian restaurant make it a victorian restaurant and uh so I got online again I uh, saw chairs, I saw table um i went jumped in the car got those. On separate days, and then there were these backings of these um, antique set table, kitchen set, the tables and chairs, and I saw them straight away, and I knew that make beautiful, elaborate uh, little frames for for little portraits. And so I um, I got those, and then I just went went for it. I just uh, thought, well. Here you have uh, the two founding uh, peoples of our country and how they got together. And then there was a sort of a gradual, if you like, a separation of the two. It's similar to the song, Billy Joel's song, when he sings of this couple that come together and they they meet at an Italian restaurant, and then they um after a while, they separate and then, at the end of the song, there's an abiding invitation to come back together again. You know it sort of said, "I'll meet you whenever you want any anytime you want at an at a, our Italian restaurant and I thought there be there was a nice similarity. I thought with that song and 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 the way our our country's history has unfolded, uh, two people coming together, uh, forming a um, sort of a you know having an arrangement. Then, as time goes by, we forget about our uh, bicultural foundations. Kind of like just forget about each other, like a and we're like a couple that sort of split up, we get married and then split up, and then there's that as I said, abiding invitation to come back to the table again that conversation the the table of conversation, two chairs, one little table in a Victorian restaurant. so they are in in, in accordance with our bicultural foundations and talk it over again. I don't know what it's looking like today as you as you can see it's it's quite uh, silly the way everything's um, been unfolding with the with the treaty. Yeah, absolutely. For it's it's been quite crazy. I guess it's um, life imitating art, art imitating life Mm -hmm. in a way.
0: That was the National Contemporary Art Award, which you won from last year. So
1: congratulations.
0: That's incredible. I was going to ask, you know, how do you actually convey the actual story that you have in your mind for
1: for your audience, or are you happy for them to make their own interpretations? Well, I guess um, you put you put your you lay your narrative down in a way which ev- 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 evokes uh, thinking um, and allows for the uh, the participant, the the onlooker, to form their own kind of uh, thoughts on on that particular piece of um, dialogue, narrative, I usually approach it like that. You know, you don't want to just, you don't want um, to spill everything out there. You always got to have room for people to actually think, to engage, to think, and make their own mind up on something. So you could look at some of my um, my narrative and it, at, at a glance, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, but then you um you you know, you you look at it and you think on it for a while. This is the participant, and then they come up with their and I can tell you like ten times out of ten they're they, they're actually seeing what I see in it or wanting mm-hmm. to Yeah, that's great. Just through conversation with people. Mm. Yeah. So I'm doing something right.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant, and I'm sure, as I said, you're sort of you're bringing something to people that makes them think, makes them stop and think um, about some of the really important issues of our country. You know, that's a good yeah. thing. And also, you're bringing, you're celebrating Māori culture, like you said, in a way that wasn't always done, hasn't always been done through art. So you know, you're a proud contemporary New Zealand Māori artist doing amazing work that. Um, that it's so good for our country to, to be able to express some of these ideas through that medium.
1: Right. It's a conversation, and yeah. it's a conversation we haven't always had. That's right. So I think yeah. it's important. What's important, I see in my work as is, is, is pretty important.
0: So, Tafai, we were just saying that um, we could easily have part two, part three, part four with Tafai (laughs) Ricard. And, uh, you know, there's so much that we could talk about, about your really fascinating practice and and your journey. But we don't have time, and you do have a schedule to keep to this afternoon. So let's get on to the questions. Yep. Uh, What would you say to your younger artistic self?
1: Well, I'd probably say what I've um, managed to do in a way and that's never give up no matter what happens um how much rejection or how many wars you hit into just don't give up believe in yourself believe in your own mind and, and, and what you're trying to say and just be unique you know be or be a don't be a, a carbon copy of someone else don't be um over indoctorated or institutionalised and just don't give up. Yeah, keep going, believe in yourself. Mm. Because if you don't believe in what you're doing, um, uh, it'd be hard for someone else to believe in what you're doing. Yeah. 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 Do you have
0: any advice for young Māori um, people or, or emerging Māori artists?
1: Yeah, probably the same, same thing. Um, but also, you know, be your own Māori. I mean, God never made us to be exactly like one another. Uh, the beauties and the differences. And, uh, you know, the, you, sometimes you get that um, kind of stereotypical thing where you have to look a certain way and talk a certain way to be a certain someone. And that includes Māori. And uh, But you don't have to. You can be an individual. Uh, an individual within the uh, unified collective, be yourself. Don't be afraid of uh, your peers and what they might um, what they might um, see you as or think you as or uh, you know you're not quite dressing the same and talking the same as them. Be yourself because that's the true strength of a person, a human being, and certainly uh Maori mm. yeah yeah that's beautiful and what would
0: you say is one of your or some of your biggest challenges
1: as an artist um well covid came along and certainly knocked us for a little bit then it um it kind of took the wind out of sails and i still have flights tickets for overseas things that i still have in credit with air new zealand that that were cancelled because of um covid but um i guess self complacency is 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 a is a can be a killer especially when you're sort of raking in a few accolades and you're getting success and all that it's easy to become sort of self satisfied a little self satisfied with what you're doing and uh, that um kind of takes that um drive and that passion away you know so self-complacency is um, a big one. Um, lack of momentum as well. You've got to kind of drag yourself up sometimes off the couch or drag yourself off whatever and then um, get back out and get in the dust and the dirt and whatever you need to do to create your work. Uh, so you've got to have that momentum going. If you feel like the momentum's gone, no better time than today than to, to, to get up and and to just start putting your nose to the grindstone again and get back into it. Um, and also, I think in as a country, New Zealand here, we've um, not really been that great historically at promoting ourselves, promoting our artists. You always have artists like um, like music bands and all that that have to go offshore to to actually make a go of it. So our country has been very poor in that sense of promoting ourselves. I think there's no excuses today, being everyone connected so well, uh, why our government can't um, promote our artists, especially the up-and-coming ones coming through, and uh, established ones like myself who've been around a while and doing my artwork. um, Still, (sighs) I... I mean, who knows? With the right sort of promotion, I could be as famous as Elvis Presley by now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love that analogy. Yeah, you're so you're so right. And um, who are the artists who really inspire you?
1: Um, well, uh, um, you know, all the all our contemporary Maori artists who have come and come before us, who have laid that foundation for us to. To build on, um, you know, you have your Sandyat Eti- Sandy set and Cliff Whiting, Paramatchup, Robin Kahukīwa, those sort of artists. You know, there's a host host of them, and um, yeah, they've been a big inspiration to me. Also, uh, just our Maori culture, um, aesthetically as well as spiritually. Um, has been a big inspiration for me, and of course, I refer back to the pop culture side of things again.
0: Mm. You know,
1: um, that informs my work as well, so that's been a big influence for me. Yeah,
0: and why do you
1: think the you make the kind of work that you make to, to talk with people, to have a conversation with people about what's going on, basically, what's happened, what's going on. I mean if if I wasn't doing it no one else would be doing what I do with you know in 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 the art scene so that's why I do it because if I don't who's going to who's going to do it
0: who's going to tell the stories
1: who's going to tell the stories who's going to show show the story mm-hmm. right. well,
0: I'm sure that after this uh, treaty after this um, Waitangi day that we have just had this week Uh, which was a little bit more controversial than sometimes. And we have a new national uh, government who are making some very controversial decisions. So I'm sure that's going to be great fodder for your art practice in the next year or so.
1: Well, it is. um, uh, The new series I work on, looking at, is based around a symbol of a Victorian bathtub which um in a way represents our country. And going out to sea in a bathtub, well, you know what sort of level of success success you're gonna have. Uh so it's kind of like a it's like a hybrid of a bathtub, Victorian bathtub, symbolizing our, our country.
0: Mm.
1: And it's called I think it's called Victorian Waka of Inevitable Kaiboshery. That's the name of the series. Yeah, it's like in a lot of ways our country is sort of spiralling out of control. Um, like a sinking bathtub on the ocean in a way. Yeah, a
0: sinking ship. Yeah, it's very a bit of a worry really, but um
1: yeah. Something to talk about, yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, we need we need part two, three, and four to get into that. So I'd just like to say thank you very, very much, Tafai, for agreeing to come on the podcast. It's been an honour hosting you, and it's lovely to meet you. And um, yeah, I, I wish you all the best, and um, thank you so much for bringing the amazing work that you bring to, to New Zealand and to the world. And uh, I just love the way that you're highlighting the Māori culture for us.
1: You're welcome. Thank you very much. been lovely speaking to you too. And uh, all our listeners, um, God bless.